Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, the radio show all about traveling like a boss by being your own boss. Stay tuned for weekly interviews featuring guests that have built their own online businesses. If you would like to have access to our entire back catalog, visit travellikeabosspodcast.com for instant access. And here's your host, Johnny SD. Hey, what's up, guys? And welcome to episode 18 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. I'm here uh, once again with Dr. Alexis Shields. Uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, so it's been a while, and I wanted to follow up with you and um, really having a whole episode just about health because it's not every day that we have the opportunity to sit down with a doctor, especially one that actually understands nutrition and health and really just pick your brain. So thanks for, for the, taking the time to do this. No problem. Uh, so what we actually did, so I've been eating paleo for the past, I don't know, maybe seven or eight months, and I feel great. I've lost weight. Um, I, have tons of, you know, I have tons of energy, and common sense tells me, hey, I'm, you know, I'm doing the right thing. But there's a lot of controversy, controversy out there about how much you know, butter I should be eating and um, that you know, I'm not eating whole grains and all this stuff. So um, Alexis actually recommended that I go out and get all my blood work. So if you guys listen to episode three, uh, it's uh, it's her and her fiance, soon to be husband, uh, Dr. Shannon Weeks, and they both you know sat down and on the 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 show notes of that episode, uh, you have all the tests that she recommended I take. So uh, what do you have in front of you right now? So I'm looking at all of your lab work. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the basic, basically, there's some really easy basic blood work that can tell you a ton about your health and i think a lot of people are used to you know we only go to the doctor when we're sick and you get some basic blood work done it all comes back either normal or close to it and the doctor says great you have a clean bill of health and you go home but really there is a ton of information that you can get from very basic blood work if you look at it in a holistic way cool so in today's episode we're going to go over my personal blood work and um you know I've never gotten it done before, so this is a little bit, you know, fun, but it's also kind of scary. So we're going to go over that, and as well as we're going to have some questions uh, that I put, you know, I, I put a link on my Facebook, um, having Dr. Shields on, you know, on the podcast, and a couple people have asked questions, so we're going to get to that at the end as well. So um, I guess first off, um, my, just kind of let everyone know what my diet has been, is I ha- haven't eaten any kind of wheat or uh, like pasta or even rice, really for the last I don't know maybe eight months uh, consistently. I, I've had you know here and there I'd have a little bit, uh, but when I when I say that I mean I have sweet potatoes once a week and I've had white rice maybe five times in the last eight months and I've had wheat maybe once. Uh, I'm not one thousand percent strict as in like once in a while there's a little tiny bit of breading on something. Um, you know I'm not gonna you know I I don't completely avoid that you know or things like soy sauce and there's, there's still some of that in my diet but i've really tried to eat you know what they call paleo or um, i follow the bulletproof you know diet so let's let's take a look at my my blood work uh what, what do you want to start with uh so let's start with the the basics here so blood sugar is the absolute primary thing that I look at when I'm looking at someone's diet just because your blood sugar will tell you or so many so many chronic diseases are caused from having poor blood sugar control so your fasting blood sugar was 93 which is excellent we like to see it between about 75 and 95 Mm -hmm. Um, and then your triglyceride levels are usually grouped in with cholesterol but I actually group them in with blood sugar because your um, what happens when you eat food is it turns into sugar in the blood for en- so that it can be converted into energy and if you have too much sugar in the blood then it then converts into fat or triglycerides okay. so if you have way too much sugar in your diet too many carbohydrates then your triglycerides shoot up okay so mine was right in the middle yeah right right where we want it your triglycerides were 89 and we like to see them between 60 and 100 okay nice. so even though you're eating a very high protein diet people will say oh that you know that'd be terrible for your triglycerides you're eating way too much fat mm-hmm. but your triglycerides are perfect and your fasting glucose is perfect thank you and I, I eat a lot of fat and for those who you know haven't had the the pleasure of seeing me digest half a cow <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually purposely ate more butter than I would even normally uh, before this test because I wanted to because that was the one thing that really worried me you know it made sense you know Dave Asprey talks about it in Blue, Blue Proof Executive 
if you eat grass-fed butter, um, that makes sense to eat a lot. But it's such a controversial thing because entire lives people have taught us not to eat so much fat. Right. Uh, so I purposely ate. I mean, I actually went out and bought a. I think it was a five pound stick of butter and i had that <laughs> just last month it's definitely not affecting your triglycerides <laughs> okay the one thing we don't have here with you though is this is the first time you've ever had your blood tested yes so we don't have a point of comparison mm -hmm. if we were to have tested you before you did your paleo diet you know we would really see is your blood test improving is it um you know we don't really know if it's improving at this okay. point and it very well could have well i'm definitely going to use this as a baseline and get retested again how i mean are you talking about once a year, every few months, or? If you are really concerned with um, optimizing your fitness and your health, I would say at least every six months until things are pretty consistent, okay. and then check in every 12 months. If you have uh, some type of chronic disease, you really want to do it more often than that, every three to six months. Okay, so I'll make a note for me to do it um, after six months and uh, see see where these numbers go. I would just guess that compared to my my old diet, which was you know, plates of spaghetti, KFC, McDonald's, you know, things are improving. Yeah. Yeah. I would, okay. I'd be willing to say that. And your blood sugar shows it because it's, it looks really optimal. Okay. So no risk of diabetes from that? No risk of diabetes Good. on here. One other test that you could add in next time. Sometimes, sometimes some of these tests are hard to get in, um, in Thailand where we are right now. Hemoglobin A1C mm -hmm. is a really good test to see what your average blood sugar is over the last three months. Um, and you want to see that that percentage is between 4.5 and 5 which would mean that your average blood sugar is around 100 okay so as nice as, as it is getting your blood test done here in thailand because it's a lot cheaper and it's uh, you don't really have to make an appointment you kind of just show up um i actually regret not just doing it back when i was in the u.s mm -hmm. um and if they actually uh we'll, we'll give you we'll give everyone the details later but if they actually go through you you can order lab tests for them for a much cheaper yeah, rate fraction of the cost than yeah. going than, than even going through your own doctor with with um with healthcare system, but so uh, what's next on, on the list? So next is kidney function. So there's two main organs that help you to detoxify the body. Um, and they're super important to help basically get all the toxins out of your, your blood and your body. Kidney function looked really good. So when I'm looking at a blood test, I'm looking at, is it outside of the lab, the conventional lab range? And then is it also within my optimal range, which is two totally different things. Um, to be within the optimal range is more concerned with optimal health. You could have a, a lab that looks completely normal, but I would still say that it's outside of my optimal range, meaning that you need to address that issue so that it doesn't become a problem in the future. So um, looking at your kidney function, everything is within the optimal conventional range, but there are two markers that are a little bit outside of my optimal range. Actually, mostly just one, the other one's really close. So um, uric acid is a little bit high, and in your, in your case, I would say, um, we talked about this before, is that you were doing um, strenuous exercise and also lots of protein, like whey protein and that kind of thing, mm -hmm. which it may have been, you know, a, a time to kind of go down on the protein intake. Okay. Um, so your uric acid levels can go up a little bit when when your protein levels are at a high amount. And if you're doing bodybuilding and that kind of thing, that's all also, you know, always the risk is you want to give your body a break so that it's not putting too much burden on your kidneys and your liver. Okay. So I've actually recently decided, um, just the other day I gave away all of my supplements <laughs> and it was really after hanging out with Alexis and talking to her about, you know, about health, um, realizing that I really don't need a supplement as long as I eat healthy and exercise. And, you know, and if I'm going to take supplements, I need to take, the best ones and not just whatever I can find at Costco for the cheapest. Yeah. So at the end of this podcast, we're going to talk, I'm going to ask you, um, about supplements. Cause that was one of the questions that one of the, one of the fans, um, had, but, um, yeah, as for now, no more whey protein. I'm done with that. Yep. Yep. I, I think eating your food rather than, than taking it in pill form is always preferred or in, even in a smoothie form, it's, you know, you got to eat it first. So, okay. Awesome. Um, okay. So on to the next part, liver function. I think, basically what I'm seeing with kind of the underlying picture here is, is mainly this protein thing is that you just didn't need quite as much as you were taking because your um, liver enzymes can be a little bit elevated. Do you remember when you had this test, had you just done uh, exercise beforehand? 
Right, yeah, um, big CrossFit exercise or anything no, like that. No, I think that. I mean it, I got this done in the morning after a day of, of fasting, so I didn't I didn't do anything that day. But I think the day before I had sprinted, I did some sprints. Did some sprinting. So when you have muscle breakdown after exercise, that can artificially elevate your liver enzymes. Okay. Um, and so they're not elevated within the lab range. Everything looks really good, conventional range. In my optimal range, I'm just seeing that your your total protein levels in your blood and globulin, which is another protein. And then your liver enzymes were just a little bit higher than my optimal range. All could be just from taking a little bit too much protein or having a big strenuous exercise the day before and breaking down muscle. So how many hours or how many days before you do lab tests should you not do big exercise? Um, I would say two or three days beforehand. It's okay to exercise. You just don't want to do you know, a really big weight routine or CrossFit or something like that. Okay. It's okay to do the, those things, but you have to keep that in mind that it might you know, elevate your enzymes just a little bit. Okay, makes sense. Yeah. Well, it's good to see that those are still in the, in the yeah. normal range. Totally within the conventional lab range. Um, all right, going on to cardiovascular health. So, um, this is one thing that we don't really have a point of comparison and with cholesterol, you really have to have a kind of before and after type picture. So in six months, when you redo your, your, um, blood levels, we'll know kind of what's going on here. Cause your cholesterol may have been really elevated when you had that really poor diet. Mm -hmm. Um, your total cholesterol is just a little outside of the conventional lab range. Um, and your HDL is really good. HDL cholesterol is the so-called good cholesterol, although that's kind of a misnomer. All cholesterol is good when you need it. Okay. Cholesterol is super important for your brain and making hormones. And um, it's, you know, we can't live without cholesterol. It's how we make all of our vitamins and everything too. So um, cholesterol is good for us. We just want to have it in a good balance. The ways to raise your HDL cholesterol is to exercise and your cholesterol looks really good at 64. Your LDL cholesterol or the so-called bad cholesterol is only bad when it's way too high. And yours is a little bit higher than I like to see it. Um, but we don't really know how much of that LDL is good and how much is bad. And so there's this test called the VAP, V-A-P test, which they don't have available, unfortunately, here in Thailand. And that tells you how much of your LDL is this small, dense um, cholesterol that is associated with heart disease. And then how much is this large, fluffy LDL, which just helps bring cholesterol um out to the body to help repair and so we don't really know that with this test but this is something cardiovascular wise i would say definitely want to track on it you know to see what the continuum is okay and definitely when i'm back in the u.s definitely to do the VAP test i asked for it out here and unfortunately it just wasn't available yeah uh, a lot of people talk about the um I don't know, I guess the, the LDL, HDL difference or percentage or mm -hmm. I don't know what the term is for that. There's ratios ratio. of cholesterol okay. yeah, to HDL. And I like to see the cholesterol HDL ratio under 3.1. Um, and that ratio definitely, if it's, if it's really elevated, um, I can tell you a lot of things, not just that you need to be on cholesterol medication. Really, you need to take a step backwards and say, what is going on that's making my cholesterol rise? Is it that I'm eating way too much sugar and so I'm causing a lot of inflammation in my body. Um, the reason why that would be an issue with cholesterol is that cholesterol is kind of like the duct tape of the body. And when you have damage somewhere in the body, then cholesterol is produced to help repair the damage. So the problem's not the cholesterol, the problems that you need repair. Okay. And I know there's a, you know, common, I say common wisdom says that, you know, having a low cholesterol diet prevents heart disease. Uh, is that true? Um, you can actually have too low of cholesterol and too low of cholesterol can predispose you to things like cancer and dementia and there's a whole other host of things. And so there's kind of like this, you know, this sweet spot that you want to have um, good cholesterol that's about 150 to 220 is kind of my optimal range. But some people just have higher requirements of cholesterol overall. Um, it depends what your stress levels are. Stress level, when you're when it's high, you need more cholesterol. So I think it can be too low. And and I've had a lot of patients that have come in and said, oh, I, you know, I have really, really low cholesterol. It's 110 or 120. And my doctor said I'm going to live forever. And that's, mm -hmm. that's definitely not true. Okay. So in so my case... Um, you say it's not terrible. Um, it's, no, it's not terrible. I think 
we need more information, number one, and we need to know, you know, this could be much better than what it looked like before. And so that I think we need to, you know, you need to redo it in six months so we can see what we're looking at here. And hopefully the next time I can do the VAP test and really get good numbers. Okay, cool. Um, But let's say I I wanted to start working on it right away. Is there anything I can change uh, about my diet or overall health to to just even steer it towards the right direction? I mean, you're actually doing the best thing you could possibly do, which is to eat a diet that is... Um, based on healthy fats, healthy proteins. You could increase your vegetable intake, which will give you more niacin and nutrients that help with with, um, cardiovascular health. So, yeah, you're doing exactly what you need to do because what causes cardiovascular disease is eating too much sugar and processed foods. Okay, so continue to not eat sugar, processed foods, um, which includes things like bread and pasta. Anything turned into a flour, bread, pasta, white foods, white potato, rice, anything that turns into sugar immediately after you eat it. Okay, I I know most people, you know, they hear that their their cholesterol is a bit high, they would automatically stop eating butter. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, I think... There's, it's just not, cholesterol is only responsible for about 20% or diet is only responsible for 20% of your cholesterol number. And so you want your overall health to improve and that will improve your cholesterol as well. But taking out one food like that is not going to even touch your cholesterol. Okay. So definitely don't go on a low fat diet. No, no, no low fat diet for you. Okay. Cool. That's Uh, good to hear. Yeah. There's two other cardiovascular markers that you had that are inflammation markers, C-reactive protein and homocysteine. And both of those, um, those markers are really low. And so when those markers are high, then that puts you at a lot of cardiovascular risk and yours are excellent, so. That's really good to hear. Um, I never even heard of inflammation until a few years ago. There's actually a a guy I met doing jujitsu named Ben Finnegan from Santa Cruz that that first mentioned it and I almost, honestly, at first I thought it was some kind of hippie BS, you know, inflammation, come on, like I never heard of that. I'll just take some ibuprofen and lower it. Uh (laughs) (laughs) But when I started uh, really looking into it, I realized, you know what? When I eat a lot of wheat, um, flour, bread, I start feeling kind of puffy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I guess that's inflammation, right? And yeah, that, totally. And, and I just wouldn't feel healthy. So now that I cut that out, um, it's good to see that on my tests, you know, it shows, hey, you know, whatever I'm doing is, is lowering, lowering my inflammation. Yep, exactly. What are the downsides of having high inflammation in the body? Um, well, the downsides is that inflammation is kind of behind all chronic disease, whether it's, you know, the, the top diseases that end up in, um, end up killing someone in the U S is cardiovascular disease, diabetes, um, you know, liver disease, kidney disease, all of those are, are, you know, diseases of inflammation. So if you can eat a diet that's anti-inflammatory, eat, um, a diet that's low in sugar, you're going to do a lot in preventing chronic diseases like those. Okay, awesome. Thanks. So the next section, um, we tested your thyroid. Your thyroid looks optimal, looks wonderful. Um, your, there's a couple different things when you, when you get your thyroid tested, often it will just be one marker, which is TSH, but you really want to know TSH is just the, the molecule in your brain or the hormone in your brain that's telling your thyroid what to do. You actually want to know how much hormone your thyroid is producing, which is a free T3 and free T4 markers. And all three of those are in perfect range for you. So thyroid disease might be something if someone is having a really hard time losing weight, hard time with motivation, um, hard time getting up in the morning or a hard time with energy, that can be all a thyroid issue. You know, I used to think I had, I had a thyroid problem, you know, Mm -hmm. and I was, I was, it was always hard for me to lose weight. Mm -hmm. I'd always be tired, Mm -hmm. you know, and I really was going to go to a doctor and say, Hey, can you give me some thyroid medication? Mm -hmm. Uh, and I'm really glad that I first changed my diet and changed my, my exercise, uh, you know, and really my lifestyle and before doing any of that, because I, I, you know, I, I don't have the test from it before, Mm -hmm. but is there a chance that it used to be, uh, you know, worse and now it's, now it's perfect I mean, oh, now it's, a, now it's a good, like a good optimal range. Yeah, totally. I, in fact, a lot of people, when they come in to my office, they'll have a list of problems. Um, or when I'm Skyping with them, they'll have a list of problems that they want to fix. But the primary thing they need to do first is actually improve their their diet because a lot of problems that show up either on blood work or that they're having symptoms of will be resolved just by changing their diet. So it's very possible that you had really low thyroid function, but then improved your diet and your lifestyle and uh, things turned around. So for the people that are really overweight and they claim they can't lose weight because they have a, you know, I guess a underactive thyroid, Mm -hmm. what would your recommendation to them be? 
Well, you got to start with with diet, um, but weight loss is not all about diet and exercise. Some people truly do have low thyroid function and need to be on thyroid hormone. And as far as medications go, thyroid hormone is one that, um, in my practice anyway, has been very useful. It doesn't mean that someone needs to be on it forever, um, but some people do truly need to take thyroid hormone. With that said, a lot of times a thyroid issue is an adrenal problem. And your adrenals are little glands that sit on top of your kidneys and they help you deal with stress. They produce cortisol. And because we're in kind of a chronic chronically stressed out environment and our bodies were never designed to experience that much constant stress um, a lot of people need help with those little glands and so there's a lot of nutrients and things that you can do to help maintain your your adrenal glands namely protein if, if you guys at home want to do a test um, there's two tests you can do at home that if you listen to episode 15 with uh, dr shannon weeks he gave two tests that you can do to at home right now to see what your adrenal function and overall health marker is. Uh, so, you know, great advice about the thyroid. Um, so to kind of sum that up, it's if you think that, you, you know, you have a hard time losing weight, uh, first, change your diet and, and exercise. Second, go out and get your actual test, the, the numbers. Um, and then third, if, you know, talk, talk to a doctor about it before you just go out and order some uh, thyroid medication, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Um, one one lab marker that we wanted to have done, but something happened with the lab and it, it wasn't able to get done was vitamin D, which everyone should have done at least once a year. Um, and the preferable time to do it is kind of before you go into winter because you want to know what your vitamin D status is before, um, before the months come when they're a little bit darker and you're not getting as much sun because that's how you get vitamin D. So um, next yeah. time you get okay. your labs done. <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately what happened was, so I, I had paid for it you know got it got it done and for whatever reason it got exposed to light and they had to either redo it again or refund my money and i just i said to him i was like you know what just give me a refund because it would have been a bit unfair because i had just got done um tanning for two weeks in on a beach in cambodia <laughs> <laughs> and i you know i figured you know what let me let me test it either during winter or let me just supplement uh, vitamin d anyways um which we'll talk a little bit about later because that, that's a big question that people have mm-hmm. all right all right, moving on to your um, your immune system. So we also tested your white blood cells and red blood cells, so your ability to carry oxygen around your body and then also your ability to fight infection. And all of those levels were totally within optimal range. Um, and then the last test was... Well, actually, before we, we go on to the la- yep. last one, so I've always been worried that, you know, it's... I feel like I get sick a little bit more often now than I did as a kid. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I used to pride myself on never getting sick. And even though it doesn't happen that often now, um, and it could be a variety of factors, it could be because I travel a lot and I'm always on airplanes. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, is can you tell us a little bit more about that test? Yeah, so it's actually good to get sick every once in a while. And people think, oh, I never get sick, I must be so healthy. But really to have a, a really good um, working immune system, you want to get kind of a, a cold that doesn't last very long, it doesn't put you out for too long, you know, it lasts two or three days and then you're back to back at it. Um, you wanna have that happen a couple times a year because it's like an exercise for, for your immune system. So when we're looking at white blood cells and red blood cells, we're looking for iron deficiency. If, if somebody that maybe is completely wiped out and fatigued um, might have an issue with iron, you can also see if, you need, if your need for B vitamins are increased. Um, and then you can also see what parts of your immune system are functioning too much or too little. So you have different parts of your white blood cells that fight bacteria and viruses and parasites. And so if those are elevated, then you can see that you have one of those issues going on. Okay. Awesome. So while we're on the subject of, uh, of the, like the common cold, uh, so the theory is if, if you go outside and your, your hair is wet and it's cold, you'll catch a cold. Um, what is the, what is the official standpoint on that? Because I, I know I see all these science articles saying no, that's untrue. That you know that has nothing to do with it. But at the same time, common sense tells me that if your hair is wet and you're riding on a motorcycle at night and it's you know and you're cold, you, you lower your immune system and you're more likely to get cold. Yeah, anything that you do that puts stress on the body can you know effectively lower your immune system and your ability to fight off 
infection and so or just exposure to viruses and bacteria and with traveling and a lot of people that are probably listening to your podcasts are do travel a lot including yourself (laughs) um and it does it exposes you to a lot more than you would be exposed to just maybe staying in one place and being at home um so so yeah i would say anything that puts added stress on the body can lower your immune system so you want to do things that can increase your immune system one thing that i have people do before they get on a long flight um, just because you're in an enclosed space for such a long period of time is um, to take a high dose of vitamin C, which I don't have pe- people do every day. A lot of people just take vitamin C, um, you know, over the long haul to help increase their immune system, but really it doesn't work that way. You want to take vitamin C um, in short stints, kind of like before you get on a flight. You take a lot of vitamin C and it acidifies your tissues, which help to um, decrease the ability of getting a virus or bacteria. So I just gave away my Kirkland Signature 500 count vitamin C pill. <laughs> yeah. Not realizing that maybe they, it wasn't the best quality, you know, surprisingly because it was it was only it was eight dollars, you know, so mm-hmm. it's quite a bit of money, right? Sure. For 500 pills, that seems like a reasonable amount. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, honestly, part of me always knew, like, you know, this tastes too good, and it's way too cheap for this to really be good for me. Um, so what was what was your reason for me to stop taking the, the Kirkland stuff? So. Real vitamin C that occurs in food is like, it's like eight to 12 different things. It's a complex. It's not just ascorbic acid. And when you go to the store and you buy vitamin C, most likely you're buying ascorbic acid. And so when you take one isolated nutrient like that, that's been isolated in a lab, it's not coming from food. Um, it's a synthetic vitamin. And when you take something like that over the long period of time, you deplete a lot of other nutrients in your body. So, you know, it's something that has use, but you only want to use it when it's in which is, you know, you're going on a long flight or you're feeling a cold coming on. So you take a big dose of vitamin C to help acidify your body, that kind of thing. Okay. And what, what is that made out of the stuff at Costco? Um, ascorbic acid, it's isolated probably from different vegetables. Um, I don't know. I think ascorbic acid usually comes from corn. Um, possibly they could also get it from soy, but I think it's mostly from corn. Right. So, so if I'm trying to avoid, you know, GMO corn and soy, I probably shouldn't be taking this every day. Yeah, probably not. Okay. Not a good idea. Is there a, a like a different brand that ha- that is actually brought in the sea, or can I just take eat lemons, or you know, um, what should I do? Yeah, you can find if you have access to things like Whole Foods and things, they'll have um, whole food sourced vitamin C, which would be on the label. It wouldn't just say ascorbic acid. It would say whole food source vitamin C, and then it'll tell you what vegetable they get it from. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, those are a little bit harder to find, but okay. especially when you're traveling, but you can find them in the okay. U.S. Yeah. So what if I just wanted to eat a couple of limes? Cause I feel like I'm, I'm going to flight soon. I'm getting sick. How many limes do I have to eat? Um, I would say you don't really need to worry about the milligrams that you're getting. You just want to focus on eating high vitamin C foods and really, um, green leafy vegetables are where you get a huge amount of vitamin C. A lot of people think it's only citrus fruit, but it's in all vegetables. So if you're feeling like you're coming down with something, I would just, you know, at every single meal, including breakfast, eating vegetables. Okay. What, what, like, so would broccoli count as that? Yeah. Broccoli, high in vitamin C, anything green, spinach, spinach, kale. Um, peppers, Bell peppers have a ton of vitamin C. Um, yeah, and, and and citrus too. And could it could could it be cooked or these have to be raw? Um, cooked is fine. Yeah, okay. cooked is definitely fine. Okay. And if I wanted to have, let's say I just I squeeze a lime in my in a glass of water, mm-hmm. is that going to be yeah. a big dose of vitamin C? Yeah, that's great. It's a great thing to do, especially for your liver. Um, there's different nutrients within lemons especially uh, that if you squeeze that in a glass of water it really helps to filter out your liver and helps decrease liver enzymes okay. well one cool thing about uh, thai food in thailand is they always give you a, 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 some, <laughs> some slices of, of lime with your meal yeah and i don't generally put it on my food um just because I, I have a different taste you know I, I don't want everything to be sweet and sour mm-hmm. but i always squeeze that lime into my water yeah it's a great great habit to get into in the beginning of the day Okay, great. So let's move on to the next test. Um, so the 
the next one was testing your urine and everything looked absolutely normal. Um, the one thing that came back in urine that was kind of outside of my optimal range is the pH of your urine. So you want the pH of your urine to be between 7.2 and 7.8. And my guess is yours was a little bit on the acidic side, um, meaning that your body is a little bit acidic. And so I think that's probably coming from just taking large amounts of protein, doing the whey protein. You just didn't need that much. And so it was showing up there. Okay. I know there's a diet out there. It's called, it's called, I think it's called the Gracie diet where they try to get everything alkaline. Yeah. Is, is, is there some truth to that? Yeah. The, you know, a lot of people think if you eat protein that you're going to, your body's going to be acidic, but that's not re really how it works in your body. It's just when you're, when you're eating really large amounts of protein, then you can become more acidic. Um, really what you need is you need a balance of all foods and things that make you super acidic is sugar. Um, sugar, white foods, breads, pasta, that makes your body super acidic. You don't eat any of those things. And so I'm guessing that it's coming from protein. Okay. Um, I think a lot of people listen to this. I mean, hopefully you guys are you know really just following along and, and listen to it with an open mind because I know a lot of this goes against all conventional wisdom. It goes against the, the food pyramid and the mm -hmm. you know, FDA, you know, USDA, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and I don't want you guys to just pick and choose a couple of things out of there saying, oh, you know what? his cholesterol is a bit high and he's, you know, he has too much protein. Um, the paleo diet is bad. I'm going to continue eating my whole wheat bread and, you know, low fat margarine. Yeah. You know, I look at, I look at lab work all day long. That's what I do for work. And, and so I see patterns over time of different diets. I see, you know, the patterns of blood work from my vegetarian and vegan patients and patients that follow, you know, specific diets, patients that follow paleo diets, um, and then standard American diet and really patients that follow a paleo diet, which paleo is just kind of the fad term that it's called now, but really it's just eating real food mm -hmm. and eating the way that our bodies have been designed to digest um, for thousands of years. Um, when you follow a traditional diet like that, your blood work really improves. And so the patterns that we're seeing here, we're pulling out some, you know, kind of things that you can, you can tweak to make them better next time, but everything looks wonderful. And from the, you know, the old wisdom of don't eat fat and don't, you know, you're eating too much fat, too much protein, that kind of thing. Um, your labs don't reflect that at all. Okay. So that's really, really good to hear just to reemphasize with everyone out there. Okay. Um, would, if I started eating, let's say a, what is it? Like a low, like a low calorie, low fat diet. Would that be better than my current diet? Definitely not. Your, your blood sugar handling would definitely not be as good as it is right now. Your triglycerides, um, and your cholesterol might very well go lower, but the longer you continue with that diet, um, it could get too low to where you're at a risk for cancer and that kind of thing. So yeah, definitely not. I think you're on the right path and your, your blood work in the next six months will definitely reflect changes and improvements. Okay. And let's say I went on a strict vegan diet, ate nothing but tofu and quinoa and you know whatever other super grains they have would that be better you know with a vegan diet it's really difficult to get enough nutrients and protein without supplementing and so it's a very unnatural way to um to live basically and so a lot of vegans can do it for a specific amount of time and then all of a sudden their health really starts to decline and so i think you know you can have a healthy vegetarian based on on the person's body makeup some people can get along being vegetarians if they're a healthy vegetarian and they actually eat vegetables and they actually eat proteins like fish and eggs but um, a lot of vegetarians are junk fooditarians they just like to call themselves vegetarians because they don't eat meat. And, and so you have to figure out what that means because it's different okay. for everybody. So uh, my current diet is better than if I ate, if I was a vegetarian and I ate whole wheat. Definitely. Um, brown rice. No tempeh. question. Okay. That is awesome, awesome, awesome to hear. Um, really, like This is such a big relief because I felt like I've, I'm on the right track and I feel like I'm healthy, but all the time and I actually stopped talking about my diet and nutrition with my friends and family and uh, really anyone because I realized it's like talking to someone about religion yeah it is and you know the thing is there's so much misinformation out there and the craziest thing is the people that always argue with me about nutrition are the people that 
really are not in sh- good shape themselves. Yeah. You know, either they're very overweight themselves, or they look sickly and and weak and pale, and and they you know and they look like they're they're gonna collapse any second. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I just just stopped talking to everyone about nutrition. So I'm glad we had this podcast episode because the next time someone asked me about my diet and where they asked me why I'm putting so much butter on my my vegetables, uh, why I'm eating so much fat or so many eggs. Uh, I'm just going to refer to this episode <laughs> and, and that's it. Yeah. I mean, the proof is, is right in front of us. Your labs look really good and you know, it, you just, re- you can't, you can't, you can't really challenge the way that you feel compared to how you did when you had a standard American diet and you can't really challenge having really good, you know, lab work. It just, it doesn't, you can't challenge that. You know, I got the blood test done. So if you guys want to challenge my diet or the paleo diet, go out, get your blood, your blood work done. Um, and we'll compare. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but the thing is, I'm not going to be, you know, just cocky about this and think, okay, now I'm perfect. I'm just going to continue doing what I'm doing. I'm going to take this advice that Alexis gave me and I'm, I'm going to eat even more vegetables. I'm going to mm-hmm. stop taking whey protein and I'm going to get tested again six months from now uh, to make sure everything continues to move in the right direction. Yep, exactly. And then there was a few other tests that you had done. You had a, a EKG, which tells us about the... Um, electrical conduction of your heart and it, it said on here which is like a you know medical term that you have bradycardia which means that your heart rate was lower than 60 so it was 58 beats per minute and that actually happens the resting heart rate lower than 60 beats per minute will happen in um it will happen normally in someone who's in very good cardiovascular shape because your heart essentially just becomes more efficient at pumping blood throughout the body so it doesn't have to pump so many times um so i have a low uh, resting heart rate yes a lower than than 60 which is 58 which is still very normal okay um the you had a chest x-ray done and your the size of your heart is normal and your lungs looked normal so everything was a clean bill of health there that's that's really cool to hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, any any other tests? Um, you had a PSA, which um, PSA, CEA, and AFP, which are basically just all markers for different cancer markers, and so they included that in your package here, um, which I normally don't do, but they're um, different markers that in certain cancers like thyroid and liver, lung, breast can go up, and all of yours were in a normal range. Okay, very cool. Was there any test that I didn't get done that I should have? Um, so vitamin D was definitely the big one, which you tried to get but couldn't. And then hemoglobin A1C is something I would definitely do. I didn't see that your electrolytes were tested. Um, so they must include that in a different type of panel here in Thailand. Um, and other than that, I think you did pretty much everything that I would have done on kind of a basic screening of someone who is generally healthy. Okay, awesome. So uh, for those at home who want to get tested, uh, there's if you go to the Travel Like a Boss podcast dot com episode, uh, what is this episode eighteen? Mm-hmm. Uh, in the show notes, you'll have a complete list. Uh, but honestly, it's just easier to go through Lexus uh, because when I got a, when I got tested through. At the hospital here, they gave me they gave me the results, and they said oh, everything's normal. <laughs> yeah, which is usually what happens is you know everything's fairly normal, so they give it back to you, and there's no explanation as to, you know, is everything really normal? Or are there things that you could do to improve your health, and it's on its way to not be normal anymore? Yeah. So, yeah, so definitely, I mean, just sitting down this last forty minutes, you know, going over each individual one versus me like the number. Um, and googling it myself and trying to figure out what this what this means it's been invaluable I mean this is like how often in the US or anywhere else can you sit down with the doctor for almost an hour and have them actually go over exactly what the tests mean but also talk about your diet and get to know you and give you you know good sound advice on what to be what you should be eating and then how to change everything so thanks yeah, thank you. <laughs> All right. So if uh, if they if people at home, let's say they live really anywhere in the world, I guess, mm-hmm. can they? How can they get in touch with you, and how can they 
get these these tests done um, and how can they get the results? So my new website just went up and it's Dr. Dr. Alexis Shields, S-H-I-E-L-D-S dot com. And I have some basic packages on there for new patients. And one of the, the beginning packages is to do exactly what we're doing right now, which is to go, you know, somebody gets their lab work. I can coach them into what they need to have done based on their health. And then we go over the lab work and I give them suggestions for optimal optimizing their health and their fitness, basically. Um, so that package is on my website if you click make an appointment um so if you're in the u if you're in the u.s unfortunately i can only do it in the u.s i have a lab that i contract with to get really uh, cheap labs a fraction of the cost of what they would be if someone walked in if someone walked in by themselves to a hospital and wanted the lab tests done how much would that blood work cost um the package that i have most of of my patients do is I would say between one and two thousand dollars worth of lab work if you were to pay the true cost, but the cost to us is about two hundred and twenty-five to two fifty. Um, so yeah, it's so definitely even cheaper. if they don't have insurance, even if they yeah, and most the to get the cheap price is actually a cash pay lab to go through insurance, super expensive. Okay, wow. So that that's a huge savings, uh, and I absolutely like wholeheartedly I recommend to every single person listening to this they get your lab test done and you sit down with the doctor like Alexis and they can do it through Skype with you, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I do most of my consults over Skype, which it's it's really easy to do over Skype. I, like, I really could not recommend this enough. I mean, if anything, I would recommend, you know, you even buy this package for, for someone's, you know, birthday or like Mother's Day, anyone that you really care about and you, want, you really care about their health um, to have them get these tests done. Because I wish I had these tests done you know, every year prior to this, so I can track my progress. And you bet I'm going to be continuing to, you know, to test at least every every year, if not every six months uh, from now on, because this is so important. Yeah, you really want to start the earlier, the better, because then you can see this, you know, continuum of what your health and your labs are doing. Because if you see something that's continually getting worse and worse, even though it's still within the conventional lab range, you can catch it early and reverse it. Whereas when it becomes a problem, it's a lot more expensive. Yeah, and I'm glad that, you know, even though I've been feeling healthy, um, that I went out and got the, these done anyways. Yeah. And it was just really perfect timing. And it's actually not any cheaper to get it, get it here done in Thailand. Um, I thought it would be, and I think for a very basic package, uh, it would have been really cheap. I think mm-hmm. it was about $150 for the basic package. Mm-hmm. But by the time I added on uh, a lot of the other things, it was actually closer to $350. So um, through Lexus per hookup, basically, you can get it cheaper, even if you're in the US, um, than it would than in Thailand, which is amazing, yep. you know, which is really, really cool. So um, I want before we, we move on, I, I want to uh, take a look at all the questions that uh, the, the fans had, had asked. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> <laughs> And this is kind of a fun thing because, you know, really, these are these are questions that I'm sure a lot of you guys listening uh, have in the back of your mind as well. So um, let's take a look to see what we have first. So Bruce Chen from Taipei, Taiwan, uh, he wants to know what you think of TRT, um, which is testosterone replacement therapy, the, the pros and cons. So I'm not... For testosterone or against testosterone replacement therapy, I think um, the problem becomes when, you know, a man that is 60 years old, for example, if we're just talking about guys here, because women also have testosterone, but the general TRT is applying to men. So a man of 60, 60 years old is going to have a lower testosterone than a man of 20 years old. That's just normal physiology. And I don't think that we need to change that. That's just it's normal. Actually, after about 30 years, I think it's a, around 30 years, um, testosterone starts to decline. But there is normal ranges when you are, you know, 60, 70, um, even, you know, 40s and 50s. And so if you get your testosterone tested and it's too low, a lot of people will just jump to, oh, well, I need to then take testosterone. But there's so many things that you can do to raise your testosterone without having to take a hormone. And a lot of people are missing the biggest issue, which is why is your testosterone too low in the first place? Um, And taking a pill isn't going to fix why it's low if you don't address those things first. So there's things like um, 
losing weight. Losing weight will definitely increase your testosterone. Um, exercise, doing high intensity burst exercise will increase your testosterone. Um, intermittent fasting, which is something that there's a lot of information out there about now, um, which doing short periods of, of fasting um, a couple times a week or every day. You only, you know, you only eat during these certain hours, like from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. kind of thing. And so you have a longer period of time where you're not eating. Um, that can increase your testosterone. So there's so many things you can do before you just jump to hormones. There are some people that um, do need to be on hormones because they're experiencing symptoms that have not been helped by all these other interventions first. But you want to start there. I firmly believe that 99% of people thinking about TRT are looking for a shortcut. Yeah. There's just not a magic bullet and it's not going to, you're not going to be satisfied by just doing that if that's not the issue. I've I've seen people who genuinely need uh, TRT and they are super effeminate. You know, and you can just tell this guy really needs, uh, yeah, he really needs testosterone. There's times when it's definitely useful, but you really want to start with why is this happening first and use that as the last resort. I, I, you know, this is a bit private, but I don't mind sharing it because it really helped me. About a year ago, I felt like my testosterone was getting really low. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was, I think I was 31 years old at the time and you know, it was, I was losing, you know, muscle mass. Um, you know, I wasn't sleeping as well and my sex drive just diminished. It was just gone. Mm-hmm. And I was, I really considered getting TRT. I mean, I looked, I looked into it. Uh, I even spoke to a doctor, um, that, you know, basically it was like a doctor hookup where he was just going to write you up a script for it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I really thought about doing it. I, you know, cause I, like, <clears throat> I was thinking, you know, this will help every part of my life. I'll be in better shape. I'll be leaner, uh, more muscular. My sex drive would go up. Everything would, would be great. And I think the only two reasons why I didn't want to do it was three. It was one, um, <clears throat> I didn't want to have to, you know, use a needle in my butt every, every week. Uh, <laughs> second, it was pretty expensive. Uh, and, you know, third, um, I didn't want to lose any more hair. And I decided after that, I was like, you know what? Let me just give this a shot naturally so that's when i started doing crossfit that's when i started eating paleo and i'm very happy to announce that you know a year later you know i haven't i haven't tested my uh my testosterone levels and you know maybe that's something i could do yeah you could definitely do that next time okay i definitely will do that um but i can feel it i mean i I can feel my i'm losing body fat my must you know i'm really lean and muscular and my sex drive is higher now than it was when i was 18 so you know it the diet exercise works stop taking shortcuts and just go out and do it yep all right and so on the same subject uh hgh human growth hormone what do you think what are your thoughts on that I mean, it's exactly the same. It's just someone looking for a magic bullet or a pill that's that's going to, um, you know, solve all the problems in your life. And it's just never that easy, even if things may improve over the short term. Um, it's just not a sustainable. It's not sustainable in any way, shape, or form. And so I've had a lot of people that I've seen who have done HGH, and it it's just, you know, in the long term, it's not a sustainable change to make. Okay, so guys. Stop trying to take shortcuts because there is no biological free ride. No, there isn't. All right. Well, the next question is from Kenneth Liu, and he's from Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. And he wanted to ask what the benefits are of superfoods. How super are they actually? (laughs) They're very super. Um Superfood in other parts of the world is just called food. (laughs) Okay. Um, You know, I think this is kind of along the same lines is that there are foods, you know, when, when you refer to a superfood, it's a food that's very nutrient rich and it has a lot of health benefits. Um, and so to me, superfoods are, you know, not the most rare fruit that you can find deep in the Amazon. You know, they're things that we have available to us every day that if we ate, our health would improve, our blood work would improve. Um, we would live longer and we'd have less chronic disease. So my definition of of superfoods are very different. I don't have the magic bullet superfood that if you ate this, all your problems would go away. I wish that happened. If it does at any point, I will let you know, but it's just just not the way that that health works. So um, some of my main superfoods are eggs. Um, Eggs get a bad rap for being high in cholesterol, um, but we need cholesterol and healthy eggs from healthy chickens are are super um, rich in good fats. They're actually of a really optimal ratio of omega-3 to omega-6. And in the standard American diet, we get way too much omega-6. 
And so it's a great way to get omega-3s. The other thing that eggs have, which hardly any other foods have, is they have some vitamin D, um, which you don't really get in food sources. So it's definitely, um, eggs are a really nutrient-rich food. I like to call them, they're like little multivitamins. Um, another, I'll give you a couple more. Another one that I love is kale. Kale is super rich in nutrients. Any dark leafy green really is. Um, great nutrients for your eyes, great nutrients for your immune system like vitamin A and vitamin C to help fight off bacteria and viruses. Um, and you can put kale you know, in smoothies, you can make kale chips out of it, you can put it in salads, you can eat it raw, you can eat it cooked. It's a really good, really good food. Um, and then, let's see, what are some other... Avocados are a huge superfood. Avocados and coconut, which we can get readily here in Thailand. Avocados, um, actually, if you're trying to gain weight or gain muscle mass, avocados help you to increase your absorption of fat-soluble vitamins. And so it's kind of like you're increasing your nutrition in the meal that you're eating just with eating avocado. And then the last one is coconut. And coconut is a saturated fat, so people are really anti-saturated fat. Um, but it's super healthy for the heart and it's like the um, medium chain triglycerides and that it's a direct fuel source for your liver. So nice. super, super good. And also coconut is, um, has a lot of lauric acid in it, which um, is antiviral, antibacterial, and antiparasitic. Nice, and, and it tastes great. I love coconuts. Yes. <clears throat> Sometimes I've, I've been eating up to four coconuts a day, uh, both mm -hmm. drinking the water and eating the meat of it. Is that too much? No, I think if you're eating, you know, good coconuts, especially when, you know, it's different for us because there's coconut everywhere. In the U.S., <laughs> it's a little different because they have to go such long distances, and so it changes the composition of the nutrition. Um, but here, because they're so readily available, I think there's nothing wrong with that. Okay. So what about coconut milk? Um, coconut milk has all the good healthy fats in it. A lot of people actually will supplement um, not the coconut milk so much, but the coconut oil as kind of a one of their general um, supplements throughout the day. Is they'll they'll do a tablespoon of coconut oil. Um, coconut milk is excellent though. Okay, awesome. So what I one thing I've been doing is I've been adding avocado. So I have a couple of rules uh, in life. <laughs> <laughs> one is anytime I come across a fresh coconut. I have to have it. <laughs> and it was really difficult in Cambodia because every restaurant I went to had co fresh coconuts and mm -hmm. it was usually about a dollar. So instead of drinking water, I would just have coconut. Mm -hmm. um, and every street corner <laughs> had a coconut as well. <laughs> um, so, you know, being out here, I mean, this is one of the big reasons why I've decided to change my life and be able to, to live in places like Thailand and be able to travel to places like Cambodia because I know it's so beneficial to my health. Yeah. So if you guys are stuck at home, you know, in your cubicle, it's, and you're complaining about not, you know, not having access to these foods. Yeah. Or drinking coconut oil out of the box and it, or coconut um, water out of the box. Yeah. It doesn't taste sugar good. In it. <laughs> and it, yeah. I mean, a lot of them don't have sugar. Like nowadays, a lot of them don't have sugar. Yeah. But they just don't, don't taste as good. Yeah, like not, not it, as fresh. And they're expensive. Oh my god! If you go to a Whole Foods or even just a normal supermarket in the U.S. and you buy like Zico or whatever other coconut water brands they are, they're usually like three dollars per per container. Yeah. Sometimes I, I think it's like five dollars sometimes, and it doesn't taste good. If you've had fresh coconut, I mean, I've last week I had a guy climb a coconut tree, bring me down a coconut. <laughs> <laughs> And, and said, here you go. And it was a dollar. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> and I felt bad for a second. I'm like, I can't, like, there's no way you could pay me a dollar to go climb a tree and risk my life. <laughs> but I'm really glad that, it, that it's here. Uh, so my other rule is any, anytime I, I eat out at a restaurant and they have avocado available, mm -hmm. I always add it as a side, no matter what the, the cost is. And, you know, sometimes they charge you, you know, I mean, luckily out here, they normally don't charge you more than a dollar or two to add it. But even if they charge me $3 or $5 to add it as a side to my dish, I have made it a rule that because it's healthy and I know it's good for me, no matter what, I will add it. And it's a great healthy habit that you can get into doing in the States too, because a lot of people will say, well, when I go out to eat, what are my options? And you just have to get creative and, you know, you go out to breakfast and you get an omelet, add some avocado. Or guacamole. Yeah. All right. So if you guys, you know... A word about the cost of that, you know, and really ask yourself what is important in my life. Uh, make that your your resolution for the, for the next year. Say, no matter what it costs, I will buy avocado. Get avocado on the side. If I have to make more money, I'm gonna figure out a way 
to to create more more income online or you know grow my business so I can afford stuff like that or cut out the other stuff um, that things that aren't as important mm-hmm. so you know make that your priority uh, so I think Kevin's actual you know question was more about superfoods as things like acai berry or mm-hmm. what are some of the other ones out there that that people oh, people say um, it's usually like amalaka fruit and it's a lot of fruits and berries that are really high in antioxidants and I think that you know increasing your antioxidants and increasing your nutrient dense food and in things like that as long as you know it's usually referring it's a marketing campaign and it's you know if you take this thing then your health will drastically improve and I think you know for a lot of people who don't have a very good diet or they're coming from a place of um having little access to different foods that are healthy that it can be something that can really improve your health um but you want to really kind of put aside the marketing campaign and think you know am I thinking about my diet first and then supplements later? Because supplements are only, you know, supplemental to a good diet. If you're just taking supplements or you're just taking these, you know, amazing superfood drinks or chocolates or whatever, um, it's not going to do anything for you if you don't already have a good diet. So So stop taking shortcuts. (laughs) But things like dark chocolate, high antioxidants. Mm -hmm. Um, How how dark does it need to be to Um, justify eating? You know, with anything like, like chocolate or um, coffee or things like this, you really want to get the highest qu- uh, quality possible, basically. So the darker the better, basically. Um, I don't know if there's any percentage that comes to mind that it should be. It should just be dark chocolate, not milk chocolate. Okay. And then, yeah, the highest quality possible. Um, but do be careful because some brands like Nestle and you know for Mars or whatever, mm-hmm. they started making dark chocolate that's actually only like 51% chocolate. Yeah, yeah. Because it tastes good. They they load it up with sugar and people eat it because they're like, oh, it's, it's you know, good for me. Yeah. So I would recommend, you know, something 80, 80%, 85% or higher. Definitely. Um, and work your way up as well. I mean, it's... You know, I'm I'm still around, floating around the 85% range, but I'm trying to get to 91. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, with with and what I mean by high quality chocolate is that Nestle and all of the you know the candy bar chocolates, those aren't even in the running. You really need something that you know it costs a lot, and you don't eat a lot of it either because it costs a lot. Yeah, and you know, and it's so filling. Like if you get some kind of uh, like a nice Swiss chocolate, like Lindt or something, mm-hmm. and you get like 91% chocolate, you just have one bite of it, and you're like, yeah, okay, I'm enough. happy. <laughs> satisfied yeah so that's actually my secret sheet is i have i always have a bar of dark chocolate in my freezer yeah and when you have a sweet tooth you know you have a square of it and and it's great so a lot of times i'm done you know i'm done eating my meal you know and i even had a big dinner and i still feel like i need something sweet Mm -hmm. what is that um i mean it's different things for different people so for some people it's that their blood sugar is not balanced. When your blood sugar is out of balance um, and you get reactive hypoglycemia, which means you eat and your your blood sugar um, gets absorbed really fast and it drops. Um, for somebody that has a poor diet and poor blood sugar control, then that can happen. Um, so yeah, it could be all about blood sugar. If it's If you have general good blood sugar control, it might just be a habit too. Yeah, it definitely could be a habit. Uh, one thing that helps me, I, I've noticed, at least in my own personal experiment, experimentation, is if I have enough healthy fat with my meal, mm-hmm. I don't crave it. Yes. Um, but for example, last night we had ribs, you know, really good Southern style ribs, mm-hmm. um, but not that much fat, you know, mm-hmm. in general. Was, you know, we had some, some veggies, some these great ribs, but I think it's also because his ribs had a lot of sugar on there. Yeah. Yeah. So it triggers that. It triggered that. <laughs> yeah. That, I think that's what it, what, what it was. So when I went home, I was like really just poking around for, mm-hmm. you know, for sweets. Yep. And the way that I, I stopped it was I had a little bit of dark chocolate and I had a glass of coconut milk Yep. and that, that helped. Yeah. That's a really great point is increasing your fats. If you're, if you're having a lot of cravings is the way to go. Okay, cool. So our last uh, question from a, uh, from the viewers is uh, from Larissa. She's from South Africa, and she asks, um, "What supplements uh, should I be supplementing?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I would say in general, um, a lot of supplements are are garbage. 
Um, and one of the reasons why is that, you know, people won't even think twice about going into 7-Eleven or Walgreens or a Walmart and picking up a supplement, but they wouldn't, wouldn't even imagine buying their food there because it's not very healthy, but you really want to put the same amount of effort into buying your supplements and as you would buying your food because supplements are, like I said before, only supplemental to a really good diet. So really with supplements, it's the same thing as, um, as we were talking about is you really want high quality and less. A lot of people will just accumulate all these supplements because there's a never ending, you know, supply of, Oh, this would help me and this would help me and this would help me. But really you want to narrow it down to the few things that, um, that you need for, for your health and your body and your future and get really high quality. And is that different for everyone? It's different for everybody. And that's why you would do something like track your blood work over the long term because what you know what your health needs are different than what my health needs are. And so there's not just a one size fits all, oh, everyone just needs to take this one thing and, and everything will be great. All right. So before I came out, I actually half my luggage were supplements. <laughs> and I've recently given them all, all away. Uh-huh. Um, so a couple of things that I stopped taking is my multivitamin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard a lot of controversy that, you know, you either just pee it all out or it's, you know, it's not you know, really necessary anyways. Yeah. Uh, so with my balanced diet, you know, real food, do I need a multivitamin? No, absolutely not. Okay. Uh, next is uh, fish oil. Um, you know, I've heard it's, you know, it's such a good, you know, omega threes are so good for you and you know, it helps you, helps lower your inflammation, helps balance you, helps lubricate your joints, all, you know, all these great things about it. Mm -hmm. So I went out and bought 400 pills of fish oil from Costco Mm -hmm. and, you know, but I've recently stopped taking it as well. What, What are your thoughts on that? There's some supplements you can get away with taking lower quality, like when you need the quick boost of vitamin C and all you have available to you is 7-Eleven. Totally fine. But with fish oil, I would never ever take a poor quality fish oil because supplements are not regulated like drugs are. So whatever is on the label is not always, it doesn't have to be in the bottle. So you never want to take something that is not a really good trusted source for fish oil because it can contain a lot of contaminants and mercury and the oils can be rancid, which would be kind of counterproductive to taking fish oil in the first place. It could actually end up hurting your health. So if you're going to take a fish oil, which, um, you know, all the things you said are true, it's really great for inflammation, lubricating your joints. It's one of those things that I think, you know, in on average, people need more omega-3 fatty acids. So it's a good thing to take. Um, but you really want to take a good brand and a good source. And a couple that I like that you can find on the grocery store shelf are Nordic Naturals is a really good trusted brand. And then um, Carlson's. Those two brands are trusted. They have very high quality supplements. They're expensive. You pay for it, um, but it's worth it if you need something like fish oil. And if you're not eating seafood at least two or three times a week, then it's possible you might need some fish oil. Okay. Is there any other type of omega-3 like fat that I can get from my diet, let's say from my avocado or from... Oh yeah, for sure. Anything that, especially animal proteins. Um, if you're eating good grass-fed, good quality um, animal protein, then you will get a you know, good source of omega-3s. From your avocados, you'll also get it and, and other fats and oils like um, olive oil and things like that. You'll get a good balance of, of healthy omega fats. Okay. What about uh, coconut oil? Coconut oil is, um, I forget the actual composition, if it's of three, six, and nine, but um, but yeah, it gives you a very good high quality fat that's a fast energy source for the liver. Okay. So, you know, ideally you would be eating, you know, wild caught, you know, uncontaminated fish and fatty fish. Exactly. Um, a second best scenario is you're eating, uh, you know, you're supplementing with a trusted brand of, of omega-3 oil. Mm-hmm. And then third would be you, know, you eat a lot of avocado, a lot of grass-fed meat, grass-fed mm-hmm. butter. And that, you know, it's crazy that you never hear about, you know, a, a, about beef being a source of omega-3s. And it's because the beef that we eat that's corn-fed, mm-hmm. um, which is almost all the beef in the U.S. and all the beef everywhere, uh, that has no omega-3s in it. Yeah, they, the, the ratio of omega-3 to omega-6, in, in, or the ratio to, of omega-6 to 3 in our diet should be more like 1 to 1. Um, but the typical American diet, it's more like 50 to 1. And mm-hmm. so we get a lot more of the omega-6 diet from, from animals eating foods they were never intended to eat in the first place. So the grass-fed butter, good call? Definitely a good call. Okay, awesome. Um, so the last last question, uh, eggs. How many eggs, whole eggs, can I eat a day? Um, 
So an average egg has about six to seven grams of protein, depending on how big it is. Um, I think it depends on what your goal is. Is it okay to eat two eggs every day? Yes, for breakfast, totally fine. Um, it's not going to raise your cholesterol. It's, yeah, really good for your health, a good source of choline. Um, if you are trying to bulk up and, and um, you know, I think you can eat more eggs than that and be all right. Um, if there's an upper limit, you know, I don't know. I think with, with looking at your labs, I would say maybe you don't want to do a dozen eggs, a dozen raw eggs a day. I would say for you, two to four eggs would be a better kind of, you know, amount. If you are somebody who follows a vegetarian diet, then because, you know, maybe you don't eat fish, but you do eat eggs, then I would say your need for eggs are going to be pretty high and you're going to need to eat them at least two to three times a day. Um, so yeah, it kind of depends on, on what your goal is. Awesome. And the bonus question is for the fruitarians out there, <laughs> uh, is that a healthy diet? <laughs> So yeah, fructose definitely um, can wreak havoc on your on your health, um, and it will show in your labs when you get them done. It's just you know it's a lot of sugar, and a lot of fruitarians will drink a lot of juice, and there's nowhere in nature where where um, fructose appears without fiber. And so whenever you eat a piece of fruit, um, you're getting fruit and, or you're getting fructose and fiber together and fructose by itself without fiber is very toxic to the liver, just like alcohol. So if you're drinking a bunch of juice, which a lot of people that just live on fruit, just drink tons of smoothies and juices, um, then you're, you're probably, you know, wreaking havoc on your liver. Okay. But if someone's eating a whole apple, is that okay? Totally fine. Okay. But if, if I wanted to, let's say not eat that much fruit because I want to continue losing body fat mm -hmm. uh, can i get the same vitamins and nutrients from vegetables as i can from fruit oh absolutely yeah any any leafy green brightly colored bare you know vegetable is is gonna have tons of nutrients in it just like fruit okay so if i ate enough you know good vegetables green leafy vegetables and i didn't eat any fruit at all would i be okay yes you'll get plenty of vitamin c as well Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for being on the show. I mean, this hour has been some of the, the best knowledge I've ever gotten. And I wish that I would have learned this in school. You know, I, I wish that, you know, my doctors back home would have known this. And unfortunately, doctors that are studying, you know, ER are great at fixing your leg if it's broken, mm -hmm. but they don't actually sit down and learn this stuff. No, they don't, they don't learn a lot of nutrition um, because they don't have the time for it. And they're focusing on fixing you when you're, you know, in a car accident and you're, they're really great at emergency medicine, but naturopathic doctors are really good at um, preventing chronic illnesses and optimizing your health and your fitness. And that's kind of the areas that we shine. Yeah. And you know, you are fantastic. Uh, I highly recommend every single person do, do a one hour Skype with you and do these lab tests. Uh, and it's, it's actually very affordable in, in the big picture because what's not affordable is long-term chronic illness. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So what's your website again? It's Dr. Dr. Alexis, sorry, Dr. Dr. Alexis, A-L-E-X-I-S, Shields, S-H-I-E-L-D-S.com. So you can either go to DrAlexisShields.com or just come to Travel Like a Boss podcast, episode 18, and all the information is going to be there, including uh, some of the laboratory results, the, the show notes, uh, what you should get tested for, and the website. So peace out, guys. Good health, and uh, hopefully I'll see you guys pretty soon. Thank you for listening to episode 18 of the Travel Like Boss podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends on Facebook and Twitter. And if you really want to show your support for the show, please leave a five-star review on the iTunes store. It helps more than you know, and we really, really appreciate it. Take care, guys, and check out travellikeabosspodcast.com.